0: Kia I'm Damien Venuto, it's July 27th and this is The Front Page, a daily podcast presented by the New Zealand Herald. The Netball World Cup kicks off this week in South Africa, with the reigning champs the Silver Ferns looking to repeat their success from 2019. But as they head to their biggest competition since the Commonwealth Games, our netball greats will need to perform better than their bronze performance in that tournament if they hope to secure another world title. What are the challenges facing them this time around and how likely is victory going to be? NZ Herald and Newstalk ZB Sports reporter Nathan Lim is covering the event for NZME from South Africa. He joins us now on the front page to discuss what to expect from netball's biggest moment. Nathan, let's start with the key details for this tournament. Where is it? How many countries are taking part? When does it kick off? And what time do we need to set our alarm clocks for that grand final?
1: So 16 teams are taking part in the Netball World Cup, taking place in Cape Town in South Africa. A lot of the Silver Ferns games are actually in the morning Cape Town time, which makes it a nice evening slot for us. In terms of the final, the final is at 4am New Zealand time, so it will be an early wake-up for the big dance if the Silver Ferns make it. Their first game is on Friday the 28th of July 7pm against Trinidad and Tobago they've taken over a 15 strong squad 12 players 3 reserves there are 6 World Cup debutants and 6 returning players who played at the uh, the 2019 World Cup in that 12 strong unit
0: You're heading to Cape Town for this um, event yeah. how psyched are you about that?
1: Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> unbelievably excited. I've never been to Africa before. I feel like it's been a really long build-up, and uh, Cape Town looks like a really beautiful city, and I'm really excited to see what it has to offer, and obviously a big focus on the netball. I can't wait to to be at the, the centre every day watching some high-quality sport.
0: Now Nathan, when the Silver Ferns won in 2019, our sporting affa- attention was a little bit divided. We yeah. were all focused on the Black Caps and their world title fight the week before. So there wasn't as much pressure on that team in that tournament. Do you think that the feeling is a little bit different this year, given that they are the defending champions?
1: I don't think that the fact that there are other tournaments going on will play into the minds of the Silver Ferns in terms of how much pressure they're under. It is a bit weird that every four years we do have all of the World Cups on at the same time, you know, in the same year. But in terms of the Silver Ferns, they're very, very focused on themselves. I think in terms of pressure, the thing that they have going for them is that they've done this before. Their preparation has gone off the same blueprint that they used in 2019 in terms of having three pre-tournament camps, one of those on the Sunshine Coast, where they can really, really get to grips with their new strategies, their new game plans, and then they go into the tournament with that feeling of confidence and they know that they can do it because they went through the same process and won last time around. So they have that winning blueprint that they're working off this year.
0: One bit of controversy that emerged from those back-to-back tournaments was the outrage over the Black Caps winning more for coming second than the Silver Ferns got for coming first. Something like this really brings into very hard limelight the disparity between women's sport and men's sport, there's still an ongoing idea that somehow women's sport is less entertaining or less engaging for the audience. And so for sponsors and for broadcasters, when they're coming down to prioritising where their money is going, they're still leaning towards men's sport as the direction that they go in. Have officials worked out a better prize packet for their winners
1: this time around? The short answer is no. World netball does not provide prize money for any of the teams, it's all down to sort of the governing bodies of each different national sporting organisation to provide money for their teams. The fact of the matter is that netball as a sport does not create enough revenue for the world governing body to be able to do that. I think if you're comparing cricket and netball, they're two completely different sports. Obviously cricket's had so much more investment over so much more time, netball does not generate the same revenue. The whole women versus men argument, I suppose, in regards to netball, the men don't have tournament no one's making really any money in regards to this whereas cricket it's completely different there's a lot more investment it's a lot more commercialized than the netball world cup so that's something that hopefully will come in the future for the women because of course that they do deserve you do deserve prize money for winning a world tournament like that
0: what are the silver ferns chances this time around how has the team performed in the last few months
1: yeah so it's interesting in past netball world cups it would always be Who's going to win, New Zealand or Australia? Because there would be a significant gap, I suppose, in the quality of opposition below those two teams. This time around, I feel like you've got sort of four teams that could potentially win it. That's Australia, New Zealand, Jamaica and England. In regards to the Silver Ferns, they would probably be second favourites. Australia are out-and-out favourites. They are deservedly so. If you look back on the last year of the Silver Ferns playing Australia, uh, they played in the Constellation Cup late last year. New Zealand won the first two tests in Aotearoa and then they lost the second two across the ditch in Australia. I don't think you can take much from that in regards to how these two teams are going to perform at the tournament because Dame Nolene Toro the coach, was using sort of a dual squad approach. So some of the best players in the first two games weren't there in the second games and Australia got a few of their key players back for their games that they played at home. So neither team was at full strength at the same time. The games I'd look at in regards to how these two teams are going to come up against each other if they do meet in a final or a semi-final is the quad series at the start of the year in January where Australia pit New Zealand both of the contests including the final. So because of that I think Australia are just the favourites but in saying that New Zealand have introduced a whole lot of new strategies we don't know how that's going to play on court what effect that's going to have. A few players have added a few new dimensions to their games so that should tip the balance a little bit. It's a little bit of an unknown at this stage but I would be very confident that the Silver Ferns will make the final.
0: If you're enjoying this episode of The Front Page, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And for a plethora of sports coverage, check out the ACC and News Talk ZB podcast networks on iHeartRadio. Now, Dame Nolene Todua is back as coach after leading the Team to victory in 2019. How many World Cup winners is she bringing back and how many new players is she introducing into the squad? So
1: six debutants are in that 12-strong unit, and then, of course, there are six who are returning from the 2019 World Cup. One thing I would say, though, about when we say World Cup debutants, you think, oh, they're going to be really new. All of these players have had Silver Fern's experience. They're all pretty comfortable at test level. It's not a matter of, oh, they're going to be super struck at all. The uh, quad series at the start of the year that I mentioned before was in Cape Town. It's at the exact same location. It was basically a dress rehearsal for the World Cup. So New Zealand's not going to be going in undercooked or with any players feeling totally out of their depth. I think New Zealand has a really, really strong mix of youth and experience and a few players who are going to speed things up, change things up and add a few dimensions to the Silver Ferns game plan.
0: Te was quite frank recently in admitting that there are weaknesses in the Silver Ferns Mm -hmm. that have been exposed in some of these practice games. What are those weaknesses and how easy will they be to rectify in the lead up to this tournament?
1: Oh, I wish I could lay out exactly what all the weaknesses are for you. Toto wasn't that specific when she talked to me about that. Of course, she doesn't want to be giving too much away. But the reality is when you are introducing so many new dimensions, so many new strategies on both attack and defence, there is going to be a little bit of a teething period. So I don't think people should get worked up about these losses or these weaknesses getting exposed at all. I think it would be more concerning if there weren't any things for them to be touching up on heading into the World Cup because it's better that the Silver Ferns get exposed now than in the tournament. So these practice games have given the chance for Nolene Totua and the other coaches, Deb Fuller, the two coaches she's brought in are Yvonne Willering and Jane Woodlands-Thompson. So they've got a really strong coaching group, but this will give them the opportunity to plug those gaps and make sure that come tournament time, the Silver Ferns are bulletproof.
0: So it's about the polishing and touch-ups and things like that. Those are the things they're focusing on right now.
1: Yeah, so in the three camps, the first two camps, it was a very high training load. They were doing a lot of drills, a lot of running building that training base and then the third camp that's been more about polishing just fine-tuning little gaps tweaking those little holes in their game plan that Toto has been able to pick up on so that come Cape Town they're in really good shape You know we don't
0: own this cup Just because it's in the trophy cabinet, it doesn't mean it's ours. In every game we play, we've got to win. So I really want to take that mindset around how we train to win, how we play to win, how we behave to win. And I think that's enough. Just looking at the other contenders beyond Australia, who are the obvious favourites, you've also mentioned England, Jamaica, South Africa as potential threats in this tournament. What should fans be looking for
1: over there? Jamaica is a team that makes me really, really nervous. If we look back on Suncorp Super Netball, the Australian domestic competition, in round one of that competition, all four MVPs were all Jamaican national players. The Suncorp Super Netball team of the competition, three of the seven spots, went to Jamaican players. They are really, really, really strong. They've got a really strong coaching group. They got silver at the Commonwealth Games last year, beat the Silver Ferns. They're going to be really, really strong contenders, and I think they've got a bit of a point to prove as well. In regards to England, they're coming in off a rough year. They've won four out of the last ten tests that they've played. Three of those wins were against Uganda, so not a very strong team. The Silver Ferns beat them by ten goals in the Quad Series. So... England probably aren't in good shape but they never lack confidence and of course they've had the opportunity to really strip everything back and just rebuild their game plan and they'll come into this tournament hissing as well but Jamaica are really the ones that worry me I think South Africa are sort of in a great position where no one really expects them to win but they can sort of ride this sort of wave of emotion of being at home in front of their fans they've got it all to gain and nothing to lose really South Africa so they have the potential to cause an upset there on the same side of the draw as New Zealand and Jamaica.
0: Any other countries or individual players that we should be keeping an eye on? Perhaps Tonga.
1: uh, Just talking to Jenny Woods about this, she thinks that Tonga are going to be sort of the darlings of the tournament in regards to the fans. There's uh, former Silver Fern, Catherine Tuivati, who's part of that makeup as well, so she'll bring a lot of sort of experience and skills to that group. So perhaps keep an eye on Tonga.
0: Their second appearance at the global showpiece, the Tongan team were bestowed a new name by the nation's queen ahead of the Oceania qualifying tournament where they finished unbeaten to secure their tickets to Cape Town. They're now known as the Tongan Tala after the famous bird on the Pacific Island, symbolic of a team that are on the rise. Netball is one of the most popular sports in New Zealand, but this World Cup is going up against the locally hosted Football Women's World Cup, the biggest event to ever Mm. be hosted in New Zealand. Have there been any concerns about attention maybe being a little bit divided between these two events?
1: Well, I guess as we said before, like for some reason every four years we get all of the World Cups on at the same time. It's a bit ridiculous. So there's always going to be a bit of uh, tension being divided. But I think the good thing is that from what I've seen, the Silver Ferns games don't clash with the Football Ferns games. The timing's pretty kind apart from that 4am wake up for the final. So look, I I think that you have a lot of really diehard netball fans that are not going to be missing out on what's going on. And I think uh, because the Silver Ferns are so strongly poised to perhaps win the tournament, there's going to be a lot of coverage. There's going to be a lot of people really interested to see how they're going, getting up for games and making sure they schedule that in. And then, obviously, the Football World Cup's going on at the same time. So, yeah, the attention will be divided. I don't think it's a major concern.
0: And Kiwis are pretty sport-mad in any case. So, two tournaments, it's almost a bonanza.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. Dessert and pudding at the same time.
0: (laughs) Nathan, how do you predict these finals will turn out? And where will the Silver Ferns fall?
1: So I think that on the Silver Fern side of the draw there's sort of two pool stages or two group stages and then we go into semi-finals. So from the Silver Ferns side of the draw you'd expect New Zealand to qualify top, Jamaica second and on the other side of the draw you'd expect Australia to qualify top and England second. That means New Zealand will likely play England in the semi-final. As I've said before based off what I've seen I would expect the Silver Ferns to beat England and then likely meet Australia in the final. From there. Like you said earlier, flip a coin. It's whoever turns up on the day. Do the Silver Ferns have the goods to beat Australia and win back-to-back World Cups? 100% they do.
0: Thanks for joining us, Nathan. And you can listen to live commentary of all Silver Ferns matches on Gold Sport and on iHeartRadio. That's it for this episode of The Front Page. You can read more about today's stories and extensive news coverage at nzherald.co.nz. The Front Page is produced by Sean D. Wilson and Paddy Fox with executive producer Ethan Sills. I'm Damien Venuto. You can follow the front page on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. And tune in tomorrow for another look Behind the Headlines.